All right, recording in progress. It's almost like something official has happened. We have crossed the threshold, the liminal space of, are we recording? Are we not recording? We're now recording. We've crossed the transom. My good friends. Well, I, I like the prompt, brilliant. It says recording now in process. And I just so like, got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So today is a bit of an experiment. Life is an experiment. Uh, I remember when Tony Robbins pointed out to me that people die every day doing people die every day doing the things we do every day, walking their dog, eating a meal, sleeping. And it's really a reminder that life is a gift. But man, I go philosophical and sometimes deep pretty quick. But today, <laughs> an experiment, hopefully no one will die. We'll just have fun. We'll learn. We'll share. So today I'm here with my friend Dean Miles, a fellow coach, a fellow member of the MG 100, the Marshall Goldsmith 100 coaches group. Dean, thank you for being a part of this conversation with me today. Brilliant. You are welcome. And I have been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. I know it's something we've been talking about. And I've been looking for a way to mix up my podcast a bit, where for the last four years, I think it's been four years now, I've interviewed authors. I've only interviewed one non author, but he was a filmmaker. So it was pretty close. But I've thought that I want to take some inspiration from people that I admire who are podcasting that I get value from and see if I can just find a new way to enjoy this and to create content and to share and serve. So Dean, right now, I think you're in Mexico. Is that right? I am just North of Puerto Varta. Beautiful. But you were here in Salt Lake a week or so ago, and we went to an event hosted by the nature conservancy all about climate change. And we had a conversation that night about, hey, what if we just did like five of these? What if we kept it to like a half hour, 45 minutes? We just explored a few things that were on our mind. We direct this at coaches or those who are in the healing or helping arts and just see if we can have some fun, make some friends, do some good in the world. What, what did you want to do with this or what did you want to get out of it or why are you a part of this, Dean? Yeah, great question. Some of it brilliant is coaching can be lonely. You can be isolated. You're in a constant place of pulling out other people's greatness, right? And finding their vision and finding their purpose. And it's not often you can just talk shop um, with what are you hearing and what are you sensing and what are you feeling and what, where are you perplexed? Um, and then what sources are you using and what's inspiring you and what's demotivating you? And so to have someone who is finger on the pulse paying attention, and then willing to just get out there and react in a raw fashion with it. Yeah. Um, everything about you, Brilliant, from just your energy to the visual representation of who you are, says like, you're the guy who can do this. Um, and so when you pitched it, I knew I'd found my partner. Well, thank you. And <laughs> I knew when you and I met, a few months back and you explained that you have organized your life so that you now work one week a month. I thought either this guy has got it figured out or he's full of crap or I've got something to learn. <laughs> all of the above. But um, I know you went into coaching like in 2007. Is that right? 2007. Yeah, I was, I was kind of double dipping 2005, 2006. Just wasn't sure if I could make a living doing it. Um, and then 2007, yeah, called Merck after being there over 10 years and said, I resign. My wow. parents were upset. My grandparents cried. 
Because it's, what are you doing, right? I mean, you've made it in one of the big companies and you're going to stay there and get the pension and the whole thing. And so if you were being laid off and I quit to go into what, right? And my dad's like, who would give you a nickel? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> to, hear, to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So it was three years later and I hired him. Uh, he became our third coach wow. way back when. Yeah. That's awesome. And that was the start of Bridgepoint. Is that right? That's your firm? Yeah. Bridgepoint Coaching and Strategy Group. That's awesome. Who's your client? Who's your ideal client? And who, who's your real client? <laughs> yeah, well, gosh, well, my I, I didn't have any ideal clients when I first started, right? I mean, you're just trying to just get those first 100 hours, forget the 10,000 hours. It's what do you do? And how do you coach people that aren't in the mood to be coached? Because we're doing corporate clients, which means they're hiring us over the course of a week. We may have between 25 and 100 people we're coaching. Here's what we found. A third of them really excited about this. They're like, this is exactly what I've been hoping for. Another third of, it's kind of lukewarm. Hey, I'm going to see how this goes. I'm game. Uh, but if it gets weird, I'm out. Or start doing trust falls, I'm out of here. And there was another third. I mean, the body language, everything about it was... This is the biggest waste of time. And this is just one more reason why I hate this company. Mm. And now I get to walk in. Ta-da! Here yeah. I am, right? Let's go be amazing together. So there was a lot of learning, right? I couldn't think of a better opportunity to cut my teeth and was in the oil and gas industry. Ideal clients are people that are motivated but haven't been unlocked yet, right? I mean, they're successful. But man, they're sitting on potential. They're sitting on some doubt. They're sitting on some imposter type of a mindset. To be a pick, a locksmith, and to find a way to unlock that, that's where really great leaders are, are made and exceptional results. Uh, a friend of mine, Robert Hargrove, wrote a book called Masterful Coaching. That was my holy scriptures. Brilliant. I mean, I did everything in that book, masterful coaching. And a comment that Robert makes in there is when a great coach meets a great leader, sparks fly and history is made. Wow. That, that's that, true of um, Marshall Goldsmith and Alan Mulally and, and more than one leader, isn't it? Yes. That yeah. From leadership me. coaches, even to sports, you know, and athletes with a coach. Sparks fly and history's made. Yeah. That's my ideal client. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much that I love about coaching. And I think it's still a thing as popular as it's become that it's still a little bit misunderstood, right? And I am often, uh, I, I marvel at the reality that you or one must have a license to be a therapist or a real estate agent or even like an esthetician, but anybody can just be a coach, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can start practicing while you're in the, um, how would I say that? As long as you're in the act of becoming certified, right? I hear that language that when you're going through the process of, of being selected, I will hear other firms say all of our coaches are certified or in the process of becoming certified. Can you imagine if that was said about your upcoming surgery? All yeah. of our doctors are certified or in the process. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so even the process of just means they, they've thought about it. I mean, this isn't like a, uh, uh, an intern or, or someone in residency, 
Right. Right. Where they've done a minimum. This is someone who hasn't spent five minutes. Yeah. On, on what it means to be a coach, but they're in the process of. They haven't yet committed to anything else. <laughs> that's that's all that means. Yeah, well, yeah. With this too, we we even talked a little bit about what to call this podcast format. And uh, as a working title, I'm just kind of calling it the Mystery Mastery Coaching Minute. Maybe the Coaching Hour with with Dean and Brilliant. And uh, I have a loose structure that I thought might be fun to follow. But even before we go there, if I just say a moment, I maybe should have said this a little earlier about who this is for. So I think a lot about who I like to work with, who I want to work with, who I want to help make a contribution in the world. And um, I sometimes fall into that trap of everyone. <laughs> well, it's everyone. But I really do have a, a place in my heart for coaches uh, because I believe that everyone, I have this deep belief that everyone on the planet truly can, well, uh, virtually everyone can benefit from coaching, whether one lives in a dung hut in Africa or whether one occupies a Fortune 500 executive suite or one is a homemaker or whatever, that we all sometimes get stuck, we all get lost. And I love that coaching isn't just about telling people what to do, diagnosing problems, you know, fixing things. There's a time and a place for that to be sure. But with this, I, I really want to help coaches and those who aspire to coach or to lead to live a good life, to be a great coach. And then for those who want to make some money from this or make it their profession or their career to earn recognition and money. And, and so that's ambitious to think that we could have a conversation every couple of weeks and we could touch on all of those things in a way that actually makes a difference, um, including, and this is where my curiosity and my interest go so many directions, those who want to write, because writing, I think, is such a big part of this, whether it's blogging or microblogging and tweeting, or whether it's a book or just journaling, but actually putting some structure and some discipline to the creative process that is writing. So with all of that, I, I have a few prompts for some questions that I thought uh, we could explore. But um, if that's good with you, maybe, we, and I know we covered all that before we were recording, <laughs> but that gives a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so let's do that. I mean, okay. yes, yeah, so let's do that. Then I'll, I'll save my little bullet point for when it makes sense. <laughs> okay. All right. And all right. So let's start with this. Let's start with uh, someone once described to me, human beings as infovores that we're constantly consuming information <laughs> and that's never been truer than today. Right. But we're always feeding ourselves something. So Dean, what have you been reading? What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? Maybe there's games even that you've been playing. What, what's been going on in your life? What have you been consuming? Yeah. Great question. My wife and I were watching the sunset last night and oh, my funny. wife asked me this question. So Dean, what did you learn today? Mm -hmm. Right. Just had this, you know, vomiting of like so many things hit me so hard. Here's what I've been thinking about. Here's what's been coming into my space, brilliant. We've gone from 200 years in our country of being known for working really hard, right? We work hard. We work a lot of hours. COVID has shifted that. Of we don't. We want to work less. Yep. Yeah? I find our appetite now, or we're just obsessed with inspiration. We want to be inspired. Yeah. And so just, just as, as we're never satisfied, we're, we're at the table, the smorgasbord banquet table of inspiration, and we never get full. 
we need more inspiration and more inspiration and more inspiration and more inspiration. But I don't find that we're doing the hard work then in response to it. We're just consuming inspiration. That's what's been in my mind. So now mm -hmm. what do we do with that? Yeah. Well, never has it been easier for one to share one's thoughts, <laughs> right? With so many people. So it's yeah. no surprise to me that there's a lot of inspiration. And of course, I think there's a lot of the opposite of that as well. But um, yeah, a lot of downing, a lot of downers. The other thing that came to my mind, brilliant, is, is what's happening with artificial intelligence. Hmm. Uh, there, there's a couple of things I think one's called doll E, D A L L dot E. Um, I think dot AI. This is, it's an open source. It's really unbelievable what it's learning, right? What this artificial intelligence is learning. And what concerns me is where, like, it only knows what it has access to, right? Someone has to be the teacher. Something has to be the source of the information. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is that it's learning some of the worst aspects of us as human beings. Now, within coaching, here's what I'm finding. I'm finding more of these AI-type coaching platforms that you're talking to a bot Yeah. that's coaching you through this. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, I, I, I'd like to find this again. So maybe if somebody listening knows and they would email me, uh, it saved me some effort or maybe I'll come across it again. But I remember reading that back in like the fifties or sixties, when computers were becoming a thing that they were, there was a university that used it in its psychiatry lab and they used a computer for talk therapy. And what it would do was it would just take a person. It would start with a question, like, how are you? And then it would take a person's response and turn it into a question. And then it would just feed them back a question based on their response and what, so, but that's not what's interesting. What's interesting to me was that the, the people who engaged in that, even though they knew that they were engaging with a computer, they still reported having benefits to that kind of therapy. You know, like, oh, how are you? I'm down. Why are you down? Oh, I'm down because my dad won't talk to me. Why won't your dad talk to you? You know, like that's yes. amazing to me. I think it even goes back to that magic eight ball, right? And how many decisions were made by, Yes. yes or no or maybe or or that the, that little paper thing remember you would yeah you would do this thing and you would be able to open this thing up and we would it would give us insight and direction yeah that's right that's <laughs> right um any have you discovered any new technologies aside from and by the way who's behind that artificial intelligence do you know is it a university or a corporation or do you know who's i doing think that? It, i don't but i think it's a yes i mean i think it's with it being open source it's just it's all types of groups are now feeding into it. Wow. Um, really, really, really fascinating stuff. That is interesting. Speaking of technology, have you found any other like apps or, or, or tools that have been like kind of fun or helped you be productive or interesting? Yeah. One that I used earlier on in my, in, in growing my coaching firm was mindtools.org. I think it's .org. It could even be .com, but mindtools. And where that helped me as an executive coach in business was to learn business language. So to go into these larger buckets of leadership or of strategy or of marketing, there are just known um, models 
So we all know SWOT, right? SWOT analysis or, or, or the PEST uh, analysis, but there's so many others that I just didn't know the language of business. Wait, I don't so, know about this one. What was that? The PEST, PEST, what was that one? Yeah, PEST, P-E-S-T. I would, I, I have no idea. I just, I, rem I remember- It's like a two by two matrix. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. And you squish it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm making that last part up. But mind tools, it was a really great resource for me. It used to be completely free. And now there's, I would say probably half of it is, is open source and the other part is membership based. Hmm. But, but that's a good one. I refer a lot of, of uh, new coaches to that. Right on. That's awesome. You know, something my wife gave me for Christmas that I've been using is, uh, is the Remarkable tablet. The Remarkable 2. Have you yeah. seen those or used one? I have not used it, but I've seen it. I think it's pretty cool. I didn't think I would want to carry another device or charge another device or, right. or whatever, but I really love the tactile feel and I, I'll use it to plan my next day. Mm. And I love the act of having it with me. It syncs with the cloud, like all that. And it's, it's quite different from an iPad. Very, very different. But, I've also um, tried to use other things like coachable, um, is a scheduling, billing type of a, a software base. I found those just to not be user-friendly. I mean, to full disclosure, I really haven't found anything within the coaching space where I start off with, wow, like that is great. It's exactly what I've been looking for. I tend to be disappointed when it comes yeah. right down to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, the one tool that I use a lot is Calendly. Do you use Calendly or anything like it? I use Time Trade. And is so that, go ahead. What's Time Trade? It is a, um, it syncs with your calendar. I, I just find it, it's very, it, it's, it's a single use. I mean, it doesn't really do anything else fancy, but it creates that link that I can put in the email. They open that link and there's the calendar. Um, and it, it's just clean and it works every time and it's very inexpensive. That's awesome. That's cool. What are you reading right now? Have you, are you in the middle of any books? Have you finished anything recently? Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently reading uh, Marshall's new book, The Earned Life. Oh, yes. I'm waiting for my copy. It's in the mail. Yeah, yeah well, I actually, I got, I got the pre-copy. So I uh, became friends with Mark Ryder, the, the co-author on the book. And he sent me the, the uh, third revision PDF form of don't wow. share with anybody. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to, to, to start on that. And it's just so good. We're probably the most transparent Marshall has been um, of just some of his own learnings, his own reflections, and then how much the last two and a half years of the pandemic really kind of really opened up and shifted what he saw and how he felt. Yeah, this is, um, so Marshall Goldsmith's new book, The Earned Life, right? What's the subtitle? I'm going to look up. It's, it's Lose Regret, Choose Fulfillment. Right on. Yeah, every, um, everything I've read that Marshall's written, I have found something very insightful, many things insightful in. And he's one of these rare authors, I think, who can look at the negative space you know that everybody's looking at whatever the latest trend or fad or, or whatever, but he'll look at the things that are more timeless and maybe not so obvious. Like what got you here won't get you there. Wasn't how to be more successful. It was what to stop doing <laughs> to be more successful. That's exactly right. I mean, what I find challenging 
even in the subtitle of lose regret and then choose fulfillment is that he really believes and sets this up that it's a choice. Yeah. That, that it's not extrinsic. It's not on, based on circumstances. It's all intrinsic and it's your choice in this breath, not the breath 30 seconds ago, but in this breath, I can choose happiness. I can choose fulfillment. That seems like a lot of Kool-Aid to drink. Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like that's easier for me. Sometimes I find that really, really challenging. And then even as a coach to show up authentically, to choose my own level of fulfillment so I could be of service to whoever I'm about to coach. Because if I'm calling them to this, I should be doing it myself. Otherwise, you get this really weird chasm and gap of just inauthenticity. Yeah. Um, and just being a liar, basically, right? And that, and that doesn't. I don't want to be that guy, right? I don't want to be that coach. But how can you do that? How do you do that every single day to choose fulfillment? Yeah, that's a, that's a question right at the heart of this school for good living, right? Even I know. live a good life. How can we do it? So that's something I'm certainly working to figure out. But I know this podcast is one of the answers for me just because it's such a fun way for me to make new friends continue mm -hmm. learning, continue sharing what I learned. Um, I hope to continue growing, you know, that kind of thing. I did an interview this morning with an author named Britt Frank. She wrote a book called the science of stuck. And I loved this book. I took 32 pages of notes. I did my, wow. I do the thing in Kindle where I just yep. copy paste. I save all my notes in Google and just 32 pages long. We had a great conversation today um, about just so many different things from relationships and boundaries and stuck and grief and like all this kind of thing, but authenticity is right at the heart of all this and, and the truth, what's true for us. What do we really want? Who are we? You right. know? So that, that's one thing. And then another, I'm, I'm excited because next week I'll interview um, Stephen Kotler, who's the expert on flow. He was part of founding the flow genome project. And he's written books with Peter Diamandis and his latest one, I think is the art of superhuman, but this one, it's a novel. It's his second novel, I believe. And I've begun reading it and it's about, um, uh, it's a future, a dystopian future where there's a psychedelic drug that people can take that gives them intense empathy, like with all life, with plants. Wow. Yeah, wow. like instantly. And uh, I'm only about 30 pages in, but it's pretty interesting so far. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Well, you got me thinking now with all of these sources, you know, if I think about those that we would like to be listening to this podcast is of coaches, how do you find the balance, Brilliant, between all of these sources and then making them your own? Mm -hmm. If I go back, I remember maybe my second year, my wife, um, she would come to my office. I was renting a space at the time and she'd walk by and she would hear me and I would just be name dropping or quoting that Marshall says this and Brilliant says that and Tim Ferriss says this. And she pulled me aside and she's like, they hired you. Like, mm -hmm. why are you telling them what Tim thinks and what Marshall thinks and what Brilliant thinks? What about what Dean thinks? How, how, do, you, how do you fight that as a coach? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I love this question because I have a lot of people say this to me because as you know, if you know me, I love quotations, 
And I yeah. have a whole, uh, repository on goodliving.com. I save, the, I have page eight counters, blah, blah, blah. I call this. And so I quote people uh, often, hopefully accurately, but here's <laughs> one of the ways I look at it is that the words, there's, there's the literal content of any communication. And then there's also the energy or the intention behind it. So when someone yeah. says something, I believe who says it matters not just because it's an appeal to authority or, oh, they've accomplished a lot or whatever. So their words have more weight. But I think the specific, like the exact words matter in the same way that they matter in poetry. Like you wouldn't take a poem and like, uh, what's the word? Paraphrase it. You would right. it, even down to the punctuation and the line breaks and the spacing and like all of that, it matters. And so to me, it's like, I don't think I can say something any better than someone has said it because they said it and there was both their intention. There was their energy. There was, it was them who uttered or wrote those words. I'll just tell you, like, to me, there is a poetry, like that's the best word I can come up with right now for this. But when someone says something and it has this quality to it, it's evocative. It is, it, it is right. Like I love, I, I said this one today in my conversation with Brit, but it totally resonates. Like when Tony Robbins said the part of you that's wounded will always be wounded. It just yeah. can't be in charge anymore. Yeah. Right. And I might not have that exactly how he said it, but I'm pretty sure that was exactly how he said it. But if I change that, if I tried to paraphrase or interpret that or put it in my words, it's like, why Tony said it, it was beautiful, I think. So I'm just going to tell you what Tony said because I had the privilege of being there or I read that book and here's, here's how I think it's applicable in this circumstance. I, I think you bring up a really great point. And I think that's discernment of knowing when to choose something that isn't distracting. I mean, if, if, if you said, let me tell you about, you know, this, um, if you've been wounded, Tony Robbins, and then that then breaks the, the momentum of the moment and, and then I, you see on my face, I have no idea who Tony Robbins is. So now you got to go into a third layer of here's what this is coming from. And here's what he meant. Right. That's obviously not a good, good place to, to do that. But I think the discernment of knowing when to drop that something that's already been crafted, like your idea of poetry, but it's communicating evocatively. It does this, I have a dream. I don't have to say anything else here. I know what I'm talking about or ask not what your country can do for you. Or just those things that are just said so clearly. They're immediately practical. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when I did, I did my first real, what I consider my first real coach training with Jack Canfield like 10 or 12 years ago. And at the end of this, it was a nine month program, three weeks in person, and he developed this curriculum, shared it with us. And at the end of it, he said, use it, feel free to share all this content. Mm -hmm. And, and then what he talked about was there will come a point where your own voice and your own message will start to come through. But he said, you know, with so many comedians, even, and this is like right stealing jokes is not a thing to do right. and all that right. but it's like when people are practicing they borrow they borrow liberally from other people's pacing their tone even their content mm -hmm. not publicly per se but then it's like we all learn it's how we learn to speak we mimicked our caregivers and those around us and what we heard on tv and i think this is true in marketing and in messaging and even figuring out what we believe so I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty natural process that we can be pretty critical of ourselves about.
I like that. I like that. I, I think of the goal that I set early in coaching. My goal is to inspire insight and shift perspective that has real value. To inspire insight and shift perspective. And so if that's poetry, if that's a quote, if I can refer to a source, I mean, I'll do whatever's necessary to inspire that insight. I'll be the fool if necessary, right? Yeah, that's right. That's a, I think that's a beautiful perspective. That's that idea of whatever works, whatever works, whatever is appropriate in the moment and being aware and present. Well, let me, let me do this. So I thought that we could explore. We're about, see already, we're about a half hour in. <laughs> I told you that framework was ambitious. Let me, let's explore something. Let's do these two things. I thought live a good life. Hopefully what we've covered is adequate. Hopefully somebody's taken something from this that will help them to live a, live a good life. Let's talk for a moment about something that we've learned. One of us, we don't both need to share, but we can explore what's something that might help a listener be a great coach. Well, since we're name dropping, I'm going to share something I heard Marshall say. Marshall okay. Goldsmith, that is. <clears throat> and I've been thinking a lot about it. You need to be competent. You need to be known as competent. If I pause there before I get to the third one. There are times where we have met celebrities of which we they are known as competent. And once you get to know them, you're, you realize they're not. <laughs> right, we kind of put them on a pedestal or they memorize a script, that kind of a thing. So it's important as a coach to be competent. Second, you need to be known as competent. And third, you need someone to share their credibility with your, with you, right? To share their stage with you. Mm -hmm. And that's what really helps to grow a coaching practice. You can go and do it alone, but to have another individual or a group to go with you, so as you're doing your work of becoming competent, you're doing your work. Another friend of ours, 100 Coaches, Mitchell Levy, talks about you have to be able to get your niche within seven words, right? One powerful sentence so that Brilliant can go tell his network what you're really good at, what you're known to be competent in. Because yeah. that then allows Brilliant to then share his credibility with his stage. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That was something that I remember Marshall talks about a lot, like have it be printable on a t-shirt, you know, seven yes. words or less, like kind of on a billboard thing. And I think his is, I help successful people achieve lasting change in behavior or something like that. I think that's it. Yeah. And I thought on that a lot and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I find it's very challenging though. Oh my gosh. I've been doing this for 15 years. And I still struggle, right, under pressure of, so Dean, what are your words, right? What's your one sentence? I think I'm, for sure, I'm in a constant state of becoming. I think where I've landed now, and you'll even see that on my, on my LinkedIn, but it's unlocking leaders, right? I mean, that's what I do. I unlock, and not just any leader, I, the, I unlock successful leaders in the process of them finding exceptional results. See, awesome. it, 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 yeah, it needs work. <laughs> well, you know, we always start somewhere and we always end up somewhere. And as far as I can tell, there is no right answer. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, well said. What, so what are you thinking about these days? 
Um, you know, something I th of be a great coach that that hit me today was in this conversation with Britt Frank, where she she had a question. I don't remember exactly the context, but I thought, bam, that was such a great coaching question. What she said was, um, what is your primary motivation right now? That was a question for someone, whether they're making a decision, whether they're feeling stuck, you know, they're, they're weighing options. So I thought that was interesting. What is your primary motivation right now? Because it's amazing to me that we can go through days, we can go through our lives and not even necessarily know what's motivating us. And here's the real thing. And this is something Tasha Yurik with her book insight in the MG 100. She mm. talks about is just thinking about ourselves doesn't actually yield insight. Like research suggests that introspecting doesn't actually tell us the truth. So if I tell you, this is my motivation, I might believe that. And that might even be my motivation, but it also might not be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. Our ability to, to convince ourselves, man, just yeah. give me a half a second. I can convince myself of the most positive intent that yeah. is so self-serving. <laughs> Yeah. But, right. but nevertheless, I think that question is really a valuable one. So again, I know there's no algorithm, there's no formula to make coaching simple or effective, but, but in the, in the toolbox or the quiver of questions, what is your primary motivation right now? That could be a great one for a coach to help them be more effective. I really like that. If I, if I, if I join you in those types of thoughts, it's, did you do your best today? Mm. And if not, why not? Well, I hate that question. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Right? Because I know, right? I know. I know if I did or if I didn't. But there really is that. If to, if you, to be a great coach, you have to be able to identify those areas of which you're going to give that discretionary effort to do your best all day, every day for a long time. You have to identify that Pareto principle kind of a thing. What's that 20% that's going to give you 80% of those results? You have to be able to identify it. You have to be able to maximize it. You have to do your best every day, all day, for a really long time. That's hard to do. And then do it. You know, I like Lencioni's title of his book, The Advantage. And he def he is, his working definition of the advantage is to be successful and healthy. Yeah, I like that counterbalance behind that. And that was a lot of my brilliant trying to get down to a week a month. Right. Awesome. So most of so our coaches within our firm work two weeks a month. That's full time for us. So you're on a week and then you're off a week and you're on a week and you're off a week. But in that off, I want you recovering. I want you living. I want you fulfilled. Right. So that when you come back into client, when you come back into serving humanity, your sauce or your, or your cup is just overflowing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because you can't give from an empty tank. Yeah. And I don't want to just barely be able to give it. I want to have excess, right? Sloshing all over the place of joy and happiness and contentment. Yeah. And it's, and it's possible. It is possible. I mean, I've been doing that for seven years now of the week a month. And there's a, I could be making much, much more money. But I would not be as healthy as I am today. I know that. I've been on the other side of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's explore 
for a few minutes, uh, this, an idea, I say this idea, but an idea that can help a coach or anyone who has something to share or to sell to earn recognition and money. What have you, what have you seen? What have you done? What have you tried that hasn't worked? Anything come to mind that kind of lives in that vein? And I'll just jump in, sorry, into that question. The one thing that you just said, by the way, about having someone else kind of right. seeing your praises, those weren't your words, but, yes. but that's huge, right? And in the marketing world, that's called social proof. And we see yes. it all the time with books when people blurb it or they endorse it. And same with if you ever give us, if you ever give a talk and someone introduces you because you don't want to come up on stage and say, here's what I've accomplished and here's all my degrees and here's the clients I've worked with. But if someone can read that in four sentences and then you come on and boom, credibility, hopefully there's likability, there's trust and so forth. But, but that's one idea that I didn't want to just let slide by because I think that fits into this earn recognition. Money is how can you, how can you yeah. have others do that for you? And how can you do that for others? You know, it's, it's, it can be an uncomfortable spot, brilliant. I actually wrote a blog on it this morning of where's that line between establishing, your, establishing yourself as an expert mm -hmm. versus bragging mm -hmm. or just being obnoxiously, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm -hmm. Man, sometimes it's hard to know when that, when that crosses over. You can get, my intent is good but I, it might be obnoxious and that's not my intent. Yeah. What does that make you think? <laughs> well, what, what's funny to me about it is I remember, I, I, I want to be careful how I phrase this, but um, Gary Vaynerchuk, right. You know, that, you know, Gary, I don't think I do. I don't know how you've lived on the internet for any period of time. <laughs> so Gary is, he's a social media expert and he okay. made his money, I believe in like wine wine.com or wine TV or something. I, I feel like I should know more, but he's gone on and he, he, he openly says, I want to own the New York Jets someday. And he, he's written a bunch of books and he has all this presence and he's, he's very sophisticated, like social media communicator. But one of the things is he, I've heard him say on some of his posts, like, I want to be famous. And it's like, but what's funny to me is he's one of these people that might be viewed as obnoxious being out there in your face, like looking for attention. But the fact that he's so transparent about it, I'm right. like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's, there's not a yeah, disconnect. That's part of his brand. The yeah. obnoxiousness is part of his brand. Of yeah. Just being so in your face. Yeah. I, I would say there's no doubt a turning point for me, just brand association. I'm guessing here. I think it was around eight years ago that Forbes had a pay to play kind of a thing where if you would pay, I think then it was like $1,200 annually mm -hmm. that you could be part of the Forbes coaches council. Mm -hmm. And so every Wednesday, I think it was, they would, they would say, here's a list of a dozen different things that people are talking about, submit a hundred words or less your thoughts and we pick the best 10 or the best 12 and we publish them on all of their social media sites. Well, those of us within the marketing council and they have a lawyer's council and they have a finance council, they have a coach's council. I knew I paid for that brand affiliation, mm -hmm. but my future clients don't know that. Right. All of a sudden they see Forbes, they see me. So brand association. And, and so Harvard's Institute of Coaching is the same way. 
right? So I'm a fellow with the Institute of Coaching, Harvard's Institute of Coaching. It cost me $2,000 a year. Hmm. Brand association. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for, I mean, that's a version of social proof, right? Because there's who else, like what other thought leaders or leaders or whatever are endorsing you. But then there's the places you've spoken to universities or the organizations, the clients and all of that. And then there's also the publications. So have you been featured on Huffington Post or on Forbes or magazine, right? So there's something I think to be said for being deliberate about like where we're trying to go or how we want to be perceived. And it's, for me, it's a balance because it's recognizing you know, some of this, I think for all of us to is ego. Some of it is, look, if you want to reach and serve a large number of people, it helps to be visible. It helps to stand out. It helps to be clear who you serve and what you do for them. And then it helps to have that kind of credibility behind you that that social proof imparts. So it can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward. It's not the kind of thing that most of us are, you know, learn wherever we grew up, right. but it's something that we can do if we choose to. Yeah, brilliant. What it makes me think of where I, it was probably, I think the last two years, I've gotten much better at this, accepting it. And you'll see it even on my own social media. I really wasn't there and now I am. I didn't feel good about this, about it. The whole rating game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in the top 100 uh, coaches. You're the, the, the top 50 gurus, Right. Well, I mean, what in the world is all this rankings and ratings? It's like the Oscars and the Grammys. It's just we all self-congratulate ourselves. And for a time period, I wanted nothing to do with it until I heard this argument. I don't have to like it, but it's how the game is being played. So let's just go back to Uber, right? We used to be able to rate the driver. Well, the driver now rates us too, right? I mean, we're rated everywhere. Your doctor is rated. Your accountant is rated. Your dentist gets rated. And university professors get rated. Yes. So we are very much, if, if you have a higher rating, you have higher influence, right? So we're all influencers. That's just how the game is. So someone's going to be in that top 10. And no, if, let's just go back less of the silliness and more of the, the being serious here. Less silly, more serious. If you really do have good intent, if you really do want to make a difference in people's lives, to inspire that insight, to shift that perspective for the betterment of humanity, is the world better off if you're not ranked at all or if you're ranked in the top 10? You're better off. I mean, so I'm not saying to be illegal or immoral or unethical, but within those guidelines, elbows out, right? Get up there because if you can help one person, great. But if you could help millions, that's even better. Yeah. So that helped me switch to do it in an authentic way to participate in the rankings. And it, unfortunately, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be challenged to work more than a week a month. It's happening. Yeah, it's true. Well, cool. Okay, so hopefully some of that was useful or at least interesting for someone who's looking to refine, deliver their message, expand the influence they have in the world, the the contribution they make to others. Okay, cool. So this truly is an experiment. It's a co-creative process, just like coaching, just like life at its best, I think. 
as we come down the stretch in our inaugural experimental episode here, um, Dean, we talked about having some kind of call to action for a listener or some kind of invitation. What are you feeling now? Well, with it being mental health awareness in the month of May, that's kind of where my mind's at. I kind of have that cringe every time I see the headline of a, or on LinkedIn or social media of another suicide. I think mm-hmm. the call to action is my guess is someone's on your mind right now today. Reach out to them today. Right? It happens to me. and I don't always do that. But I've got someone on my mind. Um, and so my commitment is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text them as soon as we get done here. Awesome. That's great. And then what I would add, what I would ask for people listening, if they've listened this far, if you've enjoyed this in any way, if you have found any value, I would invite you to share this, to share the School for Good Living podcast, even if you're really feeling like it's worth five minutes of your life or three minutes of your life to rate and review the School for Good Living podcast, wherever you listen to this. I know on YouTube, if you're watching this there, it doesn't really work there, I don't think. Um, You can give it a thumbs up you can subscribe. Uh, Beyond that, I would also invite you to email us if you have a question or you have a topic that you would like us to explore. Uh, I would love if this became somewhat interactive where we could actually look at some real world issues that people were dealing with and devote some of our time and and conversation to, to breaking that down, hopefully serving people in that way. So I invite you to email me at brilliantgoodliving.com. Okay. Well, you're going to text somebody. I will take that on as well. I will text um, someone that I'm thinking of today. I will let them know that I love them thinking of one person in particular. And uh, with that, let's do this again, maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll text you. We'll coordinate a time. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks Dean. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.